Hi, my name is Laura Lee, and this is It's Not About Food. So it's not about food, and it's not about weight. What is it about? Everything else. Because it's never ever about food, or weight, never ever, not even, one time, not ever, ever, ever. Hello, everyone. This is Lurley Rourke. Welcome to It's Not About Food podcast. And I am so excited today to talk to the living and breathing Beyond Hunger Peer educators. These are people who are in the program right now and have been for a couple of years. And it's so exciting with the miracle of Zoom that we have all four of them on right now. We have one other one, but she's applying to colleges right now, so she can't come on. What we're going to talk about today is the intuitive eating, the body acceptance, and the emotional wisdom that makes up the three-prong recovery and prevention that we go into schools and talk about. So if somebody doesn't have an eating disorder or body hatred, then the message is the same as somebody that does. So we're going into schools and people might be actively having an eating disorder or they might be thinking maybe that's a good way to get thin for the prom or whatever. Maybe they have some issues that they're eating over instead of feeling the issues. And so they might be starting an eating disorder or they may already be in the throes of one. So our message is always the same. And we come in with a presentation of peers talking to peers. So young people talking to other young people. And the peers over the years and for 15 years or over 15 years, some of them have had an eating disorder. Some of them are recovering from an eating disorder and some of them don't have an eating disorder, but do know people that have some. So they, there's all different reasons why somebody comes into the peer education program. And I'm always so grateful and awed and honored that people are coming in. So like I said, we have four people today, and we're going to talk about each person's going to take a little piece of the three-prong recovery and prevention. And Brianna is the first one, and she's going to say a little bit about herself, and then she's going to take on intuitive eating. So Brianna, hello. How are you doing today? Hello. I'm Brianna Thompson. I'm 16 years old, and I go to San Rafael High School, and I've been with Beyond Hunger for the past three years since I was a freshman. And um, I'm here to talk about intuitive eating today. So basically, intuitive eating is like you eat when you're hungry and then you stop eating when you're full. It's a simple idea, but it also can be very challenging for many people. But I like to think of it like eating like you're a baby. You cry when you're hungry and you stop eating when you're full. To elaborate on that, in my personal experience with it, I believe that I'm a very intuitive eater because I get very hangry when I don't have <laughs> enough food in my stomach. And it's... <laughs> I get very hangry and all my friends recognize it and then we go and get food. And then immediately after, I feel like so much better. The impact that food makes on my personality is insane. And so 
I believe that intuitive eating is makes such a big difference in your lifestyle and everything. And explain hangry to people who might not know what that is. Oh, hangry. Okay. <laughs> so when my stomach begins to grumble, I just start imagining food. And then if it's if I can't get to it at a certain time, I just get super angry. And like, I don't get mad at people. I'm just like snappy. I'm like, I need food, but I don't want to say it either because I don't know. So you probably your blood sugar drops and yeah. you're not you're just know that you're thinking straight. Yeah. Yeah. And so maybe you're snappy at people, but really it's just that you're really, really hungry. And this is the emotion that's coming up that goes with that. Especially if you don't think that you can get your hands on something that you like right now. So the third part of that is knowing what your body wants. So there's knowing when you're hungry knowing what your body wants, and then knowing when you're full, and then sort of just trusting the wisdom of your body about those three things and sort of obeying, you know, obeying the body that wants to have these things so that it can run in an optimal way. So you know that you're hungry by you start to feel kind of snappy and upset, angry. For me, I know that I'm hungry because I start to not feel very good. I start to just not, I sort of run out of gas, if you will. But how do you know or how do you tell people how they would know what their bodies want? Well, honestly, right now I'm a little bit hungry. And what I could say I feel right now is I kind of just want a snack right now. And I wouldn't say I'm very angry or anything, but I have like a barrier over my mind, like I don't really feel like myself completely. And so I kind of lose touch with like how I process things and everything because my brain is just, it's constantly thinking about food or like when's the next time I'm going to eat. Mm-hmm. And so I, that's why I really focus on intuitively eating because I completely like just space out if I don't have enough food in my system. And so food just makes me really happy. And if I don't have it, it makes me really angry. So that is perfect. So how do you know out of all the food in the whole wide world, which is the one that's going to feed or satisfy this hunger? Now, we can't always get all the food in the whole wide world, but how do you know, okay, this is a protein hunger. This is a fruit hunger. This is a drink of water hunger, you know, whatever. How do you know? Sometimes I don't really know and I'll go and I'll, I'll start with a healthy snack. Maybe I'll eat like a peach or an apple and then I'll maybe be hungry again. And so then I'll start making myself like a little meal or something like that. But usually I start off with a snack and some water just to make sure that it's like, I don't know, just maybe I'm a little bit hungry. I have to say when you showed such a beautiful experience of exactly that when we all went out to lunch and when we were standing there ordering you said I am really not hungry at all I'm just gonna sit with you guys and hang out because I just am full I don't I'm not hungry I just don't none of this even looks good to me right now it's like okay you know nobody pressured you or anything so we went out we sat down and maybe in, I don't know, half hour, maybe less, you said, okay, I'm hungry now. 
I'm going to go get this. <laughs> I know. It just clicked. I was like, I'm hungry now. I need food. It was so perfect. And I feel like that's the best intuitive eating that I know of is that we're not hungry, not hungry, not hungry. Oh, all of a sudden, hungry. It's sort of like tired, not tired, not tired. All of a sudden, so tired, you can't even believe you're, you're not in bed already. Right after everyone finished their meals, too, I was like, <laughs> okay, now it's time for me to eat. Yeah. But it was so perfect for what we're working with. And I think the other part of this, because a lot of times we're pressured into eating when we're not hungry, especially when we're young. It's sort of like, well, we're all eating, so you need to eat because I'm not going to be having a kitchen wide open all the time. And the same way with what it is that you want to eat, your parent or your significant other says, well, I made this. I want you to eat this. And you're like, I love that. But right now I'm not hungry for that. And so, you know, navigating that sort of chart of our own self is such a good lesson. And when we're little, we get away with it because we're little and they want to give us what we want. But when we get older, it's sort of like you're being a pain in the ass. So then those two, so you know when you're hungry and you know what your body wants. And then how do you know when you're full? What's your body signal or do you get one? Well, kind of in a way, I feel like that's something that I struggle with is because when I'm really hungry, I tend to eat so much to the point where it kind of hurts because sometimes I'm so hungry. I just love the food that I'm eating and I just don't realize that I'm eating so much. And then I'll be like, okay, I need to put that I need to put that away for a little bit. And so usually I know when I'm full, when I start to, I don't know, when I'm a little bit bloated and stuff. And so I kind of have to take a break and then I kind of think about it. Like, am I hungry still or have I just eaten too fast? And then eventually it'll, I'll figure it out and then I'll either stop or maybe take a few more bites. And as we grow and shift and change, you know, that changes as well. I notice that when I get full, I sort of am not interested in the food anymore. I mean, I can, I can override that and eat more, but I've learned through the years that probably not a good idea. So when I get that signal of like, yeah, I'd like to do something else now, then that means I'm full. I feel like I'm starting to figure that out too. It's like I, I look at the food and I was like, it was good at first, but now I don't know. It looks that good anymore. Right. Right. And again, you know, I noticed when I had my own little son, now he's a big guy and has kids of his own. And notice when I watching my grandchildren eat is that they're like all into that. I don't know. Let's say that peanut butter and jelly sandwich. They're like, that is like the best thing ever. And then halfway through a bite, they're like, no, that's it. They even might spit out that last bite because they took one bite too many. We can trust. I think the whole point of this is we can trust our bodies to know. They, they know when we're just born, we already have this. We get away from it. And I wonder if you have noticed what has happened to you as you've, you're a lot closer to being really young than I am. So did you notice when it kind of changed when you no longer could just trust what you were going to eat and when you were going to eat because there was a schedule? Do you remember that at all? I don't really know. I think when I started in middle school, 
I would eat a lot because I was kind of self-conscious of my, I was really skinny when I was younger. And so I would kind of eat a lot and it, to the point where it would hurt. And then by the time I got into high school, I started to eat a lot healthier. And I actually started to realize that when I ate healthier, I felt like a completely different person. Like I started to eat salads and everything. And it honestly, it, it really changed my life a lot. And being on my own personal schedule too was really nice. When I started to drive and everything, I'd go out and get food and everything like that. It's so true. It's sort of like it's hard in school or later on when you're in work or whatever to grab those reins and say, no, you know, I have a whole different body than maybe you do miss whatever your name is, <laughs> you know, and I need to be able to trust my body. There's a classroom that we go to here of the teachers. Her thing is kids are hungry all over the place. And some of these kids don't have food at home or don't have enough good food at home or whatever and can't get food. And so she provides food and she spends time getting restaurants and places to drop food off every day. It's amazing to me that the support of the community and her thing is let them eat. They're hungry. Their brains need food. They need fuel. Let them eat. And they're respectful. It's not disruptive to actually have somebody need to go to the bathroom or, you know, have something to eat or take a drink of water. And I wish that it was like that everywhere, but a lot of times it's not. So if you were able to go back to little Brianna and tell her that she's going to have this thing or that thing come up, what would you say to her? How would you support her to get her through the next few years of when she's going to be told she's too skinny or she's this or she's that? How, what would you say to her? that little like 10 year old or 11 year old Brianna? I don't know. This is, it's a really broad topic. Like there's so many things that I wish I knew growing up, but I wish, I don't know. I wish when I was in middle school, like when I was younger, I wish I would have known that like your body's changing constantly. Like everyone's body changes and it's perfectly normal to experience, like experience these type of things. And so I just wish growing up, like when I was growing up, when I was a little kid, dino nuggets and everything. And I loved food <laughs> so much. But I just wish that I knew like when I was going into middle school and everything that everyone's body changes. That's perfectly normal. Yeah. When Carol and I decided to do the peer ed program and to get into schools, it was like, well, this is when we started our own eating disorder. And kids are not being taught that you can trust yourself. It's okay. You can trust yourself. And I never heard anything like that when I was going to school. So yeah, that's a great thing for you to be able to tell her. So is there anything else that you'd like to say about this subject or what you're working on right now or where you're at before we move on? Well, honestly, I think right now in my life, I'm definitely trying to, because what I said earlier is like I eat and I, until it hurts and everything like that. And so I'm definitely trying to improve on 
eating when I'm hungry and, and stop eating when I feel like perfectly full because when I go over it, overboard, it's, I just need to lay down and everything. <laughs> so I just, I'm working on eating the perfect amount of food just to get my energy levels back, but not to the point where it hurts. So that's something that I'm going to continue to work on and just keep on focusing on eating healthier because it really makes me feel so much happier with my life. It's great, great message. And I think one of the things that helped me was what they now call mindful eating, where I was really tuned in as much as I could with my body of when it was hungry, what it wanted, and then when I was full. So I recommend that to everybody that if you're sort of struggling with one of those three parts to sort of maybe push everything out of the way, including other people or schedules or whatever it is, stress, and just sit with you and yourself and your food and really tune into that, like a meditation, if you will. Yeah, that's perfect. Yeah. Perfect way to put it. Well, thank you, Brianna. And hang out for a little while, bring everybody back at the end. So the next piece of the three-prong recovery slash prevention is learning to love and take care of and accept the body that you have. And there's two parts of that. There's sort of a, an acceptance of the body that you have, the loving of the body that you have. And then there's the backlash or even the front lash of why we don't do that. And again, looking at little kids, they're little and they think that their bodies are fantastic. You know, they love their feet and their hands and they can't believe how good they can run or go up a stair or play a ball. But what happens to them? And I lay a lot of the eating disorder, disordered eating, body hatred at the feet of the culture. So Kayla is going to talk about that cultural piece of why we are not in the body wisdom that we have when we're little. And so, Kayla, would you just introduce yourself, tell us a little bit about what's going on with you and what's happening to you, and and then we'll talk about this. Uh, hi, my name is Kayla Rodriguez, and I've been a part of Beyond Hunger since my junior year. And like Morley said, I'll be talking about louder body acceptance and I'm going to talk about more about how society and popular culture they treat this I guess I can say in today's society like I see a lot of advertisements of how your body should look like especially through social media like for example the biggest platform that every teenager has is like TikTok I see I always see girls advertising apps that would help you get a stomach or a big butt then they would show their body to get the viewer to make them buy the app and this generation I think every gender goes to a stage where they want to fit like the advertisement is showing them on all social platforms even on YouTube I would tap on a video and then an advertisement of an app would play saying if you download it you will get a body just like Kylie Jenner <sighs> and people just have to accept their body because it's unique. People shouldn't have to follow how other people look. It's great to do exercise and get your mind off things that's happening in the world or just in your world. 
and also trying to get healthy. But sometimes people are so traumatized that they overwork the process of trying to build a perfect body, which leads them to eating disorders. Totally. I completely agree with that. You know, again, when Carol and I started Beyond Hunger, and then when we started the Peer Ed program 15 years into Beyond Hunger, so that was over 15 years ago, we never saw social media coming. We didn't see the internet coming. They didn't even have the internet yet. So we were just working on magazine pictures or the movies or TV. We were not thinking of Snapchat or, uh, like you say, TikTok. Or, we didn't see that at all. So your world about that is so much different than mine when I was struggling with this issue. And I really believe because it's so automatic at your fingertips, it's got to be even worse and more struggly. So how do you rise above that? In middle school, before TikTok, there was Musical.ly. And then also like all the other social platforms. I would always see like those ads, like I said, and there was a point in my life where I was actually way overweight. Like that was when I, from like little girl to like middle school, I started changing. Because I saw those, I guess I started seeing how those famous people look like, or like those famous influencers. And I guess they would express on their platform a lot of their body image and like how the ideal shape and size that I think every model has. And that's like, I guess that started affecting me. And I think it affects like a lot of, a lot of the genders, especially girls. But yeah, that's what I started seeing. Yeah. And then added bonus round, you know, we see an image of a person, but is that what they really look like? And it's like, they don't even, some, some, influencers or just famous people they get like injections or they put plastic in on their body right and then we show uh little videos in the presentation of what it looks like after a computer has messed around with the person too yeah that yeah i remember that (laughs) yeah we see a a little video of this one woman who looks perfectly fine the way she is and then show exactly how they get like the end result picture and what they do to that person that, you know, no makeup, no hair, no hairdo or no outfit is going to make her look like that. What does make her look like that? Photoshop. Yeah, (laughs) Photoshop. I feel like Photoshop started so many different eating disorders and body hatred for every age, every size, every shape. And you were talking about, if you don't mind me getting too personal, but you were talking about when you were younger and you weighed a lot more. But do you think that you were just growing out until you grew up? Yeah. I mean, I started like getting into like, exercising and all because I come from like a very Mexican family and they cook like the most authentic food <laughs> and I, I guess from that sometimes it kind of affects <laughs> of course I started like building up going to I don't know on a run or something and in a but in a young age and just getting into sports and all so 
And did you get bullied for the way that you looked? Uh, no. <laughs> no? Good. I, no, I didn't know. Yeah. Good. <laughs> I think it's like, depends on a person, I guess. I don't know. Where you go to school and stuff. Yeah. Yeah, because that's like, you know, one of the things we go over in our presentation is the biggest reason why they get bullied is for their appearance. Something that they don't even have any control over at all when they're little. It's not like when you're really little, you can go to the gym. I'm going to take the car and go to the gym, mom. Sorry. (laughs) Got to work this off. And the phenomenon, I think, too, is worth talking about of that a lot of us, as we go through growth patterns, we'll go out a little bit, then we'll go up, then we'll go out, then we'll go up. And I know for me, I was really skinny as a young girl, but then I started to go through puberty and everything kind of changed and I did not like it and I didn't have much support about it either. Yeah, I think the puberty is what hit me the most. Yeah. Like I started seeing my body change a lot. (laughs) And if you were to have a little talk with your younger self or a young girl that you could talk to, what would you tell her about the cultural pressure and how to get through that? Just be straight up and just say, <laughs> just don't listen to that. Ignore that. Just you have a, a rare body. It's cool to be rare and just eat what you want and just be you. Don't follow those rules that I guess the pop culture has about body acceptance. I love that saying you have a rare body. We all do. There's not going to be another one like that, like the one that you have. It's perfect. Even if we got cloned, it wouldn't be exactly the same because we're all a little different. So is there anything else that you would like to say before we move on to the other part of the body acceptance? I think that's all. (laughs) Okay. Well, thank you so much and hang on and we'll bring you back at the end. So the next part of this is going to be the sort of the acceptance, the body acceptance, accepting the body that you have and that this is the one you have and not only accepting it, but actually taking care of it and hopefully loving it because it's your trusted friend. And so many of us get sort of caught up in dieting because we're trying to change it. We don't like it. We don't think it fits the cultural ideal. So Hannah, I'm going to have you talk about that right now and just introduce yourself and what up with you. Hi, my name is Hannah Vogel, and I have been with Beyond Hunger since my sophomore year, and I'm going to be a rising senior at at San Rafael (laughs) High School. Right on. So pretty much inner work. It's really... It's a very long, challenging process, you know, because it's all about having to kind of unlearn the unhealthy behaviors you kind of use as a crutch for weeks or months or years. And you have to kind of do that in a work on a really mental and emotional level. Because recovery, you know, it's not really about learning how to eat again it's about learning how to live because you have to like stop letting the calories control you and you have to start controlling them which is where what brianna was talking about which is where intuitive eating comes in and also something i was thinking about with inner work you know eating disorders 
they're not always just because you want to be thin. Like that's always a factor. But sometimes like eating disorders can be related to some sort of trauma you've been through or some mental illness and it becomes a coping mechanism, an unhealthy one, but it's how you cope because it's something you have control over. I think that what you have to do in that situation is you really have to kind of explore yourself and kind of find like, hey, like what is it that's causing me to want to do this to myself, want to hurt myself and find what that is when your life becomes chaotic and try to learn how to cope with, with that healthily. Yeah, it's sort of like uh, that goes a little bit into the emotional wisdom too, but how it shows up with accepting our bodies is that if we really accept and love the body that we have, we're not really going to diet quote-unquote diet. We're not going to put ourselves on something that's going to make us be deprived. We're going to try to figure out how we can help ourselves by feeling in abundance. You so beautifully just said that a lot of times we start to eat a certain way in order to stop feelings in a way, to not have to deal with something we'll either eat or not eat in order to control something. And I wonder, so you're a lot younger, lots younger than me. So what do you see in school as sort of like the whole dieting trick or rules? And then how do you feel like you can get yourself out of that by having this inner work that you were talking about? So what's the, the diet of the day, if you will? Um, okay, well... I know there's a lot of normalization of like the eating disorder culture, especially like, for instance, there's this thing called pulling the trig. If I've seen this, like a lot of people in college do this or like maybe, hey, like let's not go out and eat dinner tonight if we're going to drink tonight so we can save some calories. Or there's a lot of normalization of that at colleges or even in schools as teenagers. So that's definitely something I see a lot. And like I said, pulling the trig, which is like making yourself throw up, even ah. if you don't need to, like after you have drink or something, which is, and it's a complete normalization of it. Um, and that's just like an onset of like bulimia. And what I see like at school is maybe kids like won't bring lunch or something maybe not even on purpose but just because they don't have enough time in the morning to make themselves lunch things like that yeah wow so I never heard that term before is that pulling the trigger is that what that means yeah yeah so yeah I mean that's like whatever you ingest get it out right away so it doesn't do any Thing to you, <laughs> you know, so it doesn't make you fat, which is so ridiculous. You know, I would eat an yeah, ice cream. That is. Yeah, I would eat an ice cream bar when I was in my eating disorder and then thought for sure, like tomorrow, my clothes wouldn't fit. I was so black and white about stuff. And I really like that description of the normalization of an eating disorder that, and really, that's what dieting is. Dieting is the normalization of deprivation, which should not be the norm. 
we should be able to listen to our body. Our bodies will not take us down a bad path. Just maybe talk a little bit more about when you're feeling a certain way to get control of that feeling by dieting or not dieting or obsessing about your weight or your food or or trying to feel some other way. So just talk a little bit more about that. Do you kind of mean like using kind of food either as a, like using food as a coping mechanism, like either like having anorexia or bulimia or binge eating? Yeah, so it's, yeah, all three are a coping mechanism. Yeah, well, I mean, from personal experience, I remember when I had something happen to me for like a month straight after, I was just constantly binge eating eating a lot of fast food, just using food to like cope. And I definitely didn't realize at the time what I was doing um, or really why I was doing, but it helped me, but it was still unhealthy because I was eating way too much of foods that weren't satisfying me. Because in reality, your body, just like Brianna said, like with intuitive eating, your body is not going to want to live off candy and chocolate for four straight days. At some point, it's going <laughs> to tell you, hey, I need something healthy. Well, yes. It's not going to tell you that, but you're going to know. Yeah. I know that when I was in, not that long ago, maybe eight years ago, I was in Belgium. So Belgium is known for two things, French fries <laughs> with mayonnaise and chocolate, French fries and chocolate. So Really, I don't know what they do to both of those things, but they're from heaven, I guess. So the just so, so good. And I ate a lot of them. And then I really sort of heard my body, almost heard it say, I cannot have another bite of that. I need some soup. <laughs> I need a vegetable. I need a piece of chicken, you know, whatever it was. And then when I got that food, I just felt like I was going to pounce on it like a kitty on a mouse. You know, I was so <laughs> hungry for it. And uh, I just immediately felt better. So is that what happened to you when you finally noticed that this is what you were doing? Did you feel so much better when you ate something that was really much more agreeable to you and to your body? To be honest, I don't really remember because at the time it was kind of a blur, but I'm sure that did occur for me. But I was eating a lot of just like full meals. So like I, I felt satisfied in some way, but it was just like a lot of fast food, unhealthy stuff. I love that other term, faux meals. <laughs> it's like not real, not really meals. It's sort of like learning how to walk and knowing that you're moving yourself and somebody else walking you. <laughs> you know, it's sort of like, uh, I got this one. I got it. So thank you so much for what you said and sharing your own process. Is there anything else that you want to say about this? Or how about, you know, the idea of being able to sit down with a younger Hannah and support her? What would you tell her? about this time that you went through yourself? If I could sit down with my younger self, I would probably tell her to stop 
caring about the internet because everyone, <laughs> like every girl or for boys, it's all angles and poses. Bodies like do not look like that in real life. Everyone has those stomach rolls. It's completely healthy. And I'd probably just tell her to watch out for the internet and realize everyone's different. And it's good to be different. You don't want to be like other people. You want to stand out from the crowd. Yeah. It's like we're all not just laying draped on a chair with our really flat stomach and perky breasts and (laughs) perfect hips and thighs. You know, we all just look like regular people and that's good. You know, our bodies are whatever they are genetically and like your body is going to be this color and this size and this shape and this these are your two legs, these are your two arms, this is the color of your hair. And we can change that, but really the basic genetic coding will, cannot be changed. So we might as well just accept it and get on with it. <laughs> yeah, it's a great way to put it. Yeah. Thank you so much and hang out for a few minutes. And the next part of this three-prong recovery and prevention is the emotional wisdom, to have the wisdom of knowing what to do about your feelings and how to take care of yourself. So Zoe is taking this one. So please introduce yourself, Zoe, and just tell us a little bit about yourself. Hi, my name is Zoe Hamblett. I think I've been at Beyond Hunger for two years. I found out about it through... Uh, Carol Normandy, which was she like a co-creator of Beyond Hunger? Because I've known her and her daughter for a really long time. And I was able to join in high school my junior year. I'm about to go into my freshman year of college now. And it was great. One of my emotional wisdom was actually one of my favorite parts of the Beyond Hunger presentation when I first joined. Because it was something that I had never thought about for myself before. Because whenever I had thought about my eating disorder, my thoughts were always isolated around food and weight and body image. When in reality, hence the name of this podcast, it's not always about food. And usually there's something else going on. And Hannah touched on that a lot. She described it really well, like kind of trying to cope with your feelings by avoiding them when emotional wisdom is about getting in touch with your feelings and your emotions and then learning how to process them. And what seems like it should be the most obvious part of emotional wisdom, but is absolutely not. And the most difficult part is feeling your feelings. And I think what a lot of people struggle with, my like definitely myself included, is learning how not to react to your emotions and feelings, but instead trying to respond to them, like trying to find healthy ways to cope with and gain insight into your feelings and your emotions and maybe what's going on inside yourself. And with eating disorders, people use food as a way to either escape, control, or channel their feelings, either by overeating or undereating or however they're going to do it. And in reality, though, this, everybody does this, even if they don't have any disordered eating or body image issues. 
either you're watching too much TV or maybe you have substance abuse issues, gambling, anything in that realm. And basically trying to avoid feeling your feelings and using an activity or something to put your feelings into so that you don't have to deal with them. And what we always talk about when we give these presentations and classes, which is really great, is trying to find specific ways for you that works best to help you figure out what are you feeling right now? Why are you feeling that way? And what do you feel like you need because of the way you're feeling? I think for a lot of people, maybe journaling is something that helps them with that and helps them figure out what they're thinking. For me, I get kind of lost in journaling and it's a little too much. And sometimes what I need to do is just literally sit down and talk to myself aloud about how I'm feeling. And I'll ask myself those questions like, what am I feeling right now? And why am I feeling this? And if that is too much for someone, talking to a friend or a loved one can always be really good. I think also having a creative way to channel your emotions is really great. Doing art for me and painting has really helped. Because if they're too overwhelming, I feel like art is a way to channel your emotions without also neglecting them and trying to ignore them. And it helps you process what you're feeling. So great, is exactly right. And what you said a minute ago is so right on of that. We can do all kinds of things about our feelings, good or bad. And maybe, you know, I don't want to say bad, but some things work better than others for sure. But really what we have to do is feel them. I never even thought about that, <laughs> you know, until yeah, I heard it. Somebody said, no, you just have to feel it. And I was like, well, then what do I do? Maybe nothing. Maybe you just sit there. It'll pass. It'll be okay. You'll get another feeling. It's not the only one there is. It's like, again, that black and white thinking. Did that happen to you in your life where you were either eating or not eating because of feelings? Absolutely. Yeah, I have definitely used food as a way to manage my feelings. And to be honest, I didn't even realize it until recently because I was so close-minded about food and body image and thought it was always about food and body image and never thought of my emotions as being part of it. Yeah, I think that for me, I think control is a big thing that I use food for. Sometimes having no control in a lot of parts of my life or over the emotions I'm feeling, being able to control what I'm eating or in my mind, how skinny I'm becoming can and used to feel like, oh, well, if I just do that, I'll be better. And if I can just focus on being really good at this and being as skinny as possible, then I won't have to think about the other things that I'm feeling and the other things that are going on in my life. Yes. And what great knowledge for you to have now as you embark on your new adventure of going all the way across the country and going to school. And then with this whole pandemic, what does it mean? I mean, what is it going to be like? Because school is not the same as it was even last year. So it seems like it's ripe for a billion different feelings 
that a lot of people going to college or school will do a lot of really awful things to themselves in order not to feel those feelings of being completely out of control. You don't know what's going on. Yeah, especially right now in a global pandemic, I think a lot of people feel like they don't have control. Right, which of course we do not. (laughs) Yes. It's an illusion to think you have any kind of control. So it's great to learn that lesson early that, oh, the only thing I can do is support myself to just go through whatever I'm going to go through. Okay, that's a good plan. I really appreciate you coming up with, rather than, like everybody will say, journal. And you go, yeah, you know enough about you to know that's not it for me. And I don't feel bad that I don't do that because there's always a lot of pressure on this is how we recover and you have to do it this way. But you know what? We're all different in every way. I couldn't journal either. It was too invasive to myself, even just myself. And I felt like it just didn't work for me. But what did work for me, like you're saying, is just sitting with myself and just saying, how are you doing? What's going on with you? That's a wonderful tool that you already have. I didn't get that till late in my recovery. So I'll ask you the same thing. If you were able to talk to this younger Zoe, what would you tell her about her own emotional wisdom and taking care of herself emotionally? I knew you were going to ask this question and I was a little nervous because I was like, oh God, there's so much and I don't know what I would tell myself. But I think specifically for emotional wisdom, what I would tell myself is that I know best what I'm feeling and what's right to be feeling and to try to block out all of the noise of everyone else around me telling me what I should and shouldn't be feeling and what's okay. Yeah, great. We need that our whole lives. And we have it when we're little. Watching a little kid, they are right there with their feelings. You know they're upset. (laughs) You know that they're okay. You know that they're really elated or happy. We know that. They're not shy of telling us that. But what happens is eventually somebody says, yeah, I don't like it when you act like that. So we start to, oh, pull back and what should I do instead? Maybe I'll have this cake. (laughs) Yeah, communicating your feelings to other people really clearly, I think, will also help you understand them better. And so much of our society is built on, oh, don't cry, have a cookie. Don't cry, we'll go to the mall and buy something. Don't be angry, get away from me, I don't want to deal with your anger. And so we learn how to shut that stuff off. Then we, we lose all that wisdom because this emotional wisdom is telling us how we need to navigate our world. Yeah. I think for a long time, like what you were just saying about like eat a cookie or go to the mall if you're sad, that was always my approach is, oh, if I'm feeling bad, okay, great. What do I need to do to fix it? And I would just try to rush to a solution And something that my friend told me that her therapist told her that I've always remembered and really helped me is, and you've probably heard it before, but thinking about your emotions as clouds that kind of pass into your sky 
or when an emotion comes up, recognizing it and being like, okay, this is how I feel. Interesting. And if you need to look into it more, you can do that. But otherwise, letting that emotion pass away instead of getting stuck in like a storm and then all you see and feel is that emotion. Yeah. I can remember a good friend of mine, his wife died and he did it so beautifully. I mean, he had every kind of emotion you can think about that, but I can remember he said to me, well, this is what it feels like to be in grief. And I am grief stricken and I'm lonely and I'm mad. And this is what that feels like. And it was so accepting and so beautiful for him to just be with it. And there was no fixing that because <laughs> that was the fix, just being with it. And you know how I think our little selves inside that have been pressured to be a certain way, I know that if I'm telling somebody my feelings, I don't want them to fix it. I'm just telling them these feelings. So they can just be with that. They don't have to say, well, have you thought about doing blah, blah, blah? That makes me mad. And it makes me upset with myself when I do that, when I don't just yeah, let myself too. have them. Absolutely. Yeah, I think listening to people when they're upset and not trying to fix it is another big part of it because I also get upset when people try to do that. Yeah. And I think that's a good lesson for all of us is that we don't like it when other people do it to us. And we really don't like it when we're doing it to ourselves. And that's what, you know, like if I feel bad, I feel fat. So if I feel fat, I should go on a diet. But fat's not a feeling. I have to go back to the beginning. No, I, feel, I just feel yucky. Yeah. And also not letting people, as something I've had to practice is not telling myself that I'm overreacting or I'm crazy for feeling a certain yeah. way. Yes. Because that will never help or get you anywhere better just telling yourself that you're wrong. And it's so much better to be like, no, this is how I feel and it's okay that I feel this way. And I've even gotten better at telling other people if I'm upset and they seem surprised that I'm upset or tell me that I'm overreacting me being like, no, this is just how I'm reacting. Yeah, it is what it is. Right? I mean, yeah. I feel this way. And like you're saying beautifully how you said this, it's like a cloud in the sky. If I just hang out with it, it'll move away and I'll have another feeling and another feeling. And this isn't the last time I'll have this feeling. So is there anything else that you'd like to say before we end about this subject or any other subjects that we've been on? I don't think so. I think we've all done a really good job at covering I think you guys have done an amazing job, not only in person when you're in the school and in the classroom, right in front of people, sometimes not that much younger than you, and sometimes people that are actually in classes with you. It's awesome to see you just come from such a truth place that, I, again, I don't think we have the luxury all the time of just being in truth. We have to put on this mask or that mask to get along. And you guys don't do that. And it's so beautiful. So I just want to, again, thank you very much, all four of you, for being on today. 
Brianna, Kayla, Hannah, and Zoe. And wherever you go and whatever you do, I just know that you are so appreciated for doing this. This has changed people's lives. Doing this podcast, there might be a young person out there that's like, this is really hard and I'm not going to be able to be okay. And to hear you guys say, yeah, I've been where you are and I get through it or I'm going through it and it's going to be okay. You're going to be all right is a huge huge help. It's very healing. So thank you all so much. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank you for listening. And be sure and follow me on Patreon, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and it's not about food.com. Thanks.